Welcome once again to Bracket Mania. Bracket Mania 2 this time around. Obviously, last time we crowned the best ever Intercontinental Champion in the history of the world, or at least at that point. I mean, who knows? If Gunther continues to be champion, maybe we'll have to revisit that final, which he lost to Razor Ramon on that night. Today, though, we're moving on to stables. So we're going to find determine the best stable in the history of professional wrestling. We'll do that in just a moment. And before I do that, I'll also explain a little bit about how this works if you've not listened to Bracket Mania before. But joining me today to welcome them to the show, first of all, we've got Alex Kirkman. Oh, exciting. <laughs> I had to look up your name on Skype a couple of weeks ago because I know we had a we had a conversation about whether it was Kirkman or Kirkham at one point. And because we had that conversation, I had forgotten which one was the right one. <laughs> even though before that point, I knew which one was the right one. So I had to check your name just to make sure I had it in my head correctly um i never have that problem though with our other co-host today his name is old man sam Kerry. hello um you'll have to excuse me we've done a episode before this so uh, whilst we're talking about stables i hope my voice doesn't go a little hoarse <laughs> <laughs> that is pony that joke old man I'm pony. oh uh, that's yeah. lovely <laughs> Your heart just so wasn't in it. He was basically basically saying, who do you think you are, old man? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, let's go on with the main show. Oh, nice. (laughs) nice. He's not got such a long face anymore after saying that one. (laughs) (laughs) This is great shit. This is great shit. (laughs) Fuck the bracket. (laughs) (laughs) Don't need him anymore. No, we don't. We just do a comedy show, guys. That's all we need to do. <laughs> um, we're not good enough for that, I'm afraid. The brackets. So it is Bracket Mania 2. And uh, in case you don't know how this works, so basically we have got 16 nominations as nominated by the regular hosts of the Random Wrestling Review. That's Old Man and Alex, as well as Tom, Stephen and Matt. Yes, Tom still is included, despite the fact that he's technically on his sabbatical right now, or his sciatica, as he nearly called it last time we <laughs> had the show. Um, they've all contributed three nominees. I have then picked the last one based on what's left, just so we make up the 16. We then go through a single elimination tournament through four rounds where the brackets come from and at the end, the final crowns who the best stable is of all time. As I said last time, if that's not clear, tough it'll soon become apparent. So, guys, we've got three on the podcast this time. We had four last time we did the bracket. So this time we all get a vote. And I will also, as we go through tell you who nominated these individual stables uh, it should be noted that this time old man you went first on the uh, on the nominations so you got the pick of the litter you know what i have no memory of doing this it was a couple of months ago so you know mm, that's good i've had a lot of shit to, since then so probably gone yeah i can't remember i picked up i remember one one of them but i can't remember the other two well don't worry it all will be revealed in yeah, just yeah. a second so we start our first first round match is with a very contemporary state uh, st- mm. i was about to say stadium stable <laughs> uh the judgment day which was nominated by tom and they are up against the nation of domination which was uh, nominated by matt so an interesting first first round match. Now, we've obviously got Tom and Matt. They nominate <laughs> these two. So we haven't got anyone by default who can start us off. So who wants to go first? I'll go. I'll go with The Nation. So obviously, The Nation nomination, most famous for basically The Rock breaking out of the terrible face persona that they had him try to be in 97 when he debuted. And really like elevated him up to the next level but i think the primary thing for the nation is that they had a proper stable versus stable feud with dx and it was cracking stuff because you had people impersonating other people it was wonderful stuff like they did um i can't remember what they did but they did some stuff Dino <laughs> brown was in it uh Farouk was in it and then they booted Ahmed Johnson out. I mean, lovely yeah. old job. Mark Henry. Western Superman, yeah, that's what I was uh, yeah. about to say. Yeah, yeah. It- and I know we've talked about Dino before, like, just how good he was. And then what happened with poor Troz, 
rest in peace. I mean, to be honest, pretty much ended his career, I think. Kind of ruined where he was at in WWE. We talked about this when we did um, a show that had happened after that. Like, he really lost his confidence. But you had Ron Simmons, the old hand. The old hand in terms of age, but not necessarily in terms of wrestling experience. You had D'Lo, a really solid hand. Mark Henry, green as grass. But they made something of him when he was an absolute joke. And The Rock. Like, what more do you want for The Rock? And Kama Mustafa, was he in there? Yes. He was. Yeah, he was, yeah. Not really worried about him. This is pre-Godfather, Godfather. So, yeah, not really interesting. But it's a cracking little stable. And it was a great time to be watching wrestling. And they still stood out. So well done, Nation. Well, it's interesting that you talk there about their 1998 period as their heyday, which I guess it was, because obviously it was The Rock mm. and, you know, that. But there was also obviously the 1997 version, which was the actual Nation of Domination, because the, the bit you talked about was when they were technically just the Nation. Mm, um, fair. The Nation of Domination, obviously, was Farouk, Savio Vega, Crush. D'Lo Brown mm. was sort of an underling that wasn't really officially in it. PG-13 tag team from USWA were part of it as well. Clarence Mason was also in the original Nation of Domination. So they went for two years. Only two years, and that's not particularly mm. long. And if you consider the Judgment Day, that's about the lifespan of that particular Well, maybe a little bit less than that, but near enough now, two years. And they're still going. We don't know what the extent of their kind of legacy will be i don't know not a particularly long-running stable but i guess the judgment day are still too recent really to judge them on that measure yeah very recent but i'll bat for the judgment day you've got money in the bank holder damien priest you've got the best heel in do you know what i'm going to say wrestling forget wwe in wrestling in dominant mysterio who has done some absolutely phenomenal work since he's joined that group. And you've got the fourth biggest star in WWE, <laughs> Rhea Ripley, uh, <laughs> the, biggest, the, the biggest women's star that they've got. And, uh, and Finn Balor's in there as well. The first universal champion, Finn Balor, who was doing jack shit until the Judgment Day. Mm. So when they started, Vince was still in charge of creative and they had the ridiculous Edge joined them and then they kicked Edge out and they weren't really doing anything. But now I think that they're a, I think they're a cracking faction, absolutely cracking faction, and and each person involved is as important as the other. Now I've not watched it for a, a month or two, but is JD McDonough in there as well now? Or yeah. is, is he? Yeah. yeah. So I don't really know a lot about him, so I can't really comment on him to be fair. But I think they're a cracking faction. Judgment Day. I'll, yeah, I'll back for Judgment Day. The the weird thing is that false start with Edge, which wasn't him joining them. He formed the yeah. faction effect, yeah, effectively yeah, yeah. with Rhea Ripley and and Damian Priest and then they added Finn Balor and then he turned against Edge and the rest of them also turned against him and that was very strange I don't know what the hell happened there I don't know if that that didn't seem to me to be the intention when they kicked it off and for whatever reason they obviously (laughs) decided it wasn't working so they moved it along and since then Mm. Triple H just turned it into some gold and the relationship between Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley's been amazing Damian Priest holds the money in the bank which is surely going to be significant as we move into WrestleMania season and beyond, potentially. It's a difficult one, this one. It's a difficult one. Mm. The booking for him was was weird at the start, like the Clash mm. of the Castle. I thought it, the booking was all... I mean, I'd get the, the, the Dom heel turn, but why they lost the match before. Like, surely just do the, the Dom heel turn that costs cost Edge and Rey Mysterio the match and then joins... But, but anyway... That aside, that aside, yeah, uh, mm. I'm really impressed with the judgment day. So I just want to touch on that. I think that Dominic's heel turn is nothing like as good if they do it the traditional way, which is he cost them the match. Because, well, when he fucking, when he clotheslines his dad, fucking hell, I almost shit me pants. It was so exciting. That's my favourite moment of that whole show was that. It was amazing. When he low-blowed Edge, and then clues like Rey Mysterio. Fucking have it, Ray. Yeah, you could right. see it coming, though. Yeah. You could but, see it coming. There's nothing wrong with that, mate. No, yeah, I suppose, yeah. I could see the Dominic Mysterio attacking Edge, but I wasn't certain that he was also going to close like Rey Mysterio. I thought that might come later. I thought he might just storm off, and then mm. you'd get the story involved from there. But anyway... Whatever the case, that's not what we're here to discuss. We're here to discuss which mm. of these is better. So it's time for voting on this first matchup. I'm going to start with you, old man. I'm going to kill Judgment Day. Alex? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to go Judgment Day as well. I thought I was going to go Nation of Domination at the start. I was only batting for Judgment Day just to... Because yeah. obviously it would have been a bit boring. The, the name yeah, of the game. But, yeah, I'm going to go Judgment Day. Hmm. That's fair enough. I just I'm just to give them a vote, I'll give them the nation. But I that was close. I didn't really know which one I no. thought was better. And I'm not sure that they were the two strongest in this field. 
again the brackets will come into play in terms of getting some of the lesser stables potentially through to later, later rounds and i don't know how much further the judgment day will go but they are through past the nation of domination right on to matchup number two and this is the dangerous alliance which was put forward by Stephen against the shield which was alex one of your nominations so alex i guess we yield the floor to you given that you actually nominated one of these teams well it, it is the shield and it? It, it the shield they took three guys in nxt put them together and all three are mega stars now and it is all because of the shield if they'd have just brought them up individually they wouldn't be anywhere as big as they are now possibly roman reigns roman reigns is is the biggest superstar in wrestling today john moxley is one of the biggest stars in AEW and Seth Rollins is one of the biggest stars in WWE and it's all because of how they were packaged in the Shield just a phenomenal phenomenal faction absolutely grade A matches every single one that they had together for me I I can see them going really really far in this bracket and they should just an amazing amazing faction amazing faction uh, I'll, I'll talk about the Dangerous Alliance because I get the impression that this is going to be relatively simple for the Shield to go through because I think you know, obviously, Alex, you've made some obvious points there. They are three of the biggest stars in the business, and that is largely as a consequence of the fact that they all started together in WWE uh, in a in a very original kind of way. Like we've we've not seen that in WWE really at all, where you have three men come up and just be a just be a three man faction for 18 months straight off the bat, and that's really all they do. It wasn't a singles guy and two tag team wrestlers, as I've said before. It was just three guys that were together. But the Dangerous Alliance actually has a longer lifespan, I think, than some people will necessarily know. It started actually in the AWA in the in the late 80s with the Midnight Express at the time, along with Adrian Adonis, and went on to be in WCW, obviously, for about 18 months, and then also ECW for a couple of years, when Paul Heyman obviously was booking ECW before he actually owned the company. But of course, it's their WCW period where they're best known, and of course, the group was pretty stacked in terms of talent let's be fair like they've the the group that they had obviously austin pretty massive rick rude that's pretty big arn anderson larry zabisco you know this is a this is a pretty it's a pretty damn decent faction and then obviously uh, bob eaton as well so they, they had some of the best wrestlers going in in the world at the time and they pretty much dominated the hillside of the aisle in wcw for the whole of 1992 it wasn't like they were just in the mid card they pretty much were the dominant uh, faction this is obviously the year where rick flair's not with wcw so they had they they pretty much occupied those top spaces as i said i i even i'm struggling to kind of build up a head of steam and and put over the dangerous alliance and i think it's also worth mentioning though with the shield again only 18 months that they were actually really together they were split out by middle of 2014 i know there's been a couple of you know, reuniting of the of the group but but in but not that long a period in fairness nor was really the dangerous alliance at least for their sort of main period i am going anything i have nothing <laughs> to add because i didn't know who was in the dangerous alliance really which is why I stayed silent. I was glad you picked up the mantle, Tinky. But when you say, like, I mean, Austin, isn't it? When, mm. when you've got Austin somewhere, and obviously for those who know, that relationship with Paul Heyman led to Austin then going to ECW when he was released and him cutting those promos where he rips on Bischoff. Suddenly you're like, well, maybe it is the Dangerous Alliance. Because without that, where would Austin be now? Well, Shining his shoes, I imagine. Well, you've got Arn Anderson, obviously, very held, held in very, very high dad. regard. Yeah, dad. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Bob Eaton, who we all love. I mean, he's just fun, he's just a great wrestler. Uncle. <laughs> Larry Zabisco, <laughs> the living legend, Larry Zabisco. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then Rick Rude and Steve Austin. And, mm. you know, it's an amazing faction. It was a big deal. It was, you know, as I said, the, the main heels on the roster for a whole of 92 in WCW carried the hillside of the of the aisle and and Paul Heyman. Interestingly enough, this is kind of like the Paul Heyman derby because he was really the guy who brought in the shield as well in many respects, mm. because it was he mm. him who was like hiring them to go after uh people who were up against CM Punk at the time as champion. Okay, let's go to the let's go to the voting on this one. Alex. Yeah, Shield. Old man? I'll go Shield, but that this is purely on the basis that they made that made three guys. I think like we're talking about the dangerous lines whilst I don't know a lot about them. You listen to that roll call, it's like, cool, bloody lovely. Mm. But 
this made three guys. I'm going to give it to the Shield, and I think the main difference between them, because in fairness, the Dangerous Alliance didn't really make anyone in the end. Granted, Steve Austin went on to great things, but that wasn't as a consequence of the Dangerous Alliance necessarily. The thing is, the Dangerous Alliance basically replaced the Four Horsemen when there was no way to do the Four Mm. Horsemen because Ric Flair wasn't around. The Shield was, again a brilliantly executed piece of work here you go end of 2012 they bring in three new guys and by the middle of 2014 every one of them is a main eventer that yeah. is brilliantly executed how here's how we create three new stars in our company that will be really significant over the next few years and, and in the case of Roman reigns the biggest star in the industry mm. that's pretty much perfect booking really right next up the undisputed era which is one of matt's choices i think mainly because he had run out in fairness he was the fifth person to make the choices here and the new world order which alex you again nominated so alex we go to you i mean iconic faction aren't they iconic granted no, they're, not, they're not the iconics that's no no all <laughs> oh, right oh, getting, i always get them too mixed up um <laughs> Now, granted, it got a little bit ridiculous near the end where every man and his dog was in the faction. But strip it back to the original with Hogan, Hall and Nash, especially, you know, the heel turn from Hogan, the long, long needed heel turn for Hulk Hogan. And it completely revitalised his career. And they were just they were just amazing, amazing faction, an amazing faction. Again, like I said, it got a bit a, a bit out of order coming to the back end where every man and his dog was in it. But. I even enjoyed the run in WWE as well. I remember when they come into it with the lethal injection of poison and Vince McMahon spins around and the NWO's on the back of his chair and I remember thinking, fucking this is going to be good. Uh, and when they come into then it, more, <laughs> well, well, yeah, but that, yeah, I suppose, yeah. But the hype, the, you know, the hype that uh, Norway out when they come out for you know i was i was well on board for that so yeah it has its faults like i've said completely devalued the faction when fucking everyone was in it and they had all these nwo red and all that nonsense but the original nwo i just thought it was unbelievable and it completely revitalized hulk hogan's career and he got a lot of mileage a lot of mileage out of that a lot of mileage out of that faction well i think old man we're going to rely on you to speak up for the undisputed era because it's uh, not exactly a period of wwe's history that i know well so you had bobby fish and carlo riley have an absolute bang entire team matches and you had adam cole in the main event scene of nxt having some very decent matches but for me i know it is hard because like whether you get elevated or whether you're so important to nxt that they were like we can't take these three fucking guys away we can't split them up which i think was probably more likely the case i just look at what people have done after they leave as well so they left nxt i know adam cole is a ton of recording has just been announced as being the devil in AEW, whatever that means. I think. Uh, Carl O'Reilly, poor fuckers, had another neck surgery, I think. So he's been out for two years, I think it is. So for me, Bobby Fish was always the guy in the Undisputed Era because he looked like a fucking double-hard cunt. Real terrifying man. He goes to AEW, they package him kind of as this like fighter, and then they don't use him at all. And that's somewhat AEW, I think, but also maybe him in the fact that Without his mates, he couldn't get over. Whereas with the NWO, I think they were all able to do it. And also, regardless of that, NWO, the amount of fucking money those guys made. There was an argument to be made that actually at least two of the members contributed quite heavily to WCW's ultimate demise, which I don't think can be counted against them maybe as we get later on into the brackets. But in terms of this, there's only NWO in there. Yeah, I mean, this is really, in many respects, the quintessential what do you prefer or what do you what do you value more ultimately is it the business mm. side of things where and the storyline side of things or is it in-ring matches because if it's in yeah. matches there's only one winner obviously the dispute era yeah. had much much better matches than new, new world order <laughs> but that's absolutely nothing to do with this in my view new world order no. absolutely we're not just massively important in terms of wcw and the success that they had for whatever it was 83 weeks winning the monday night war and not only that, but also doing record pay-per-view buy rates for WCW, record merchandise sales for WCW, completely turned the business on its head for 18 months. And it's very hard now, looking back, when you think about it just as being 18 months, quite quickly seems to be nothing. It seems to be a blip, but mm. actually it was so significant at the time that WCW actually took over WWF as the leading uh, promotion in the industry. And they did it because of the new World Order gimmick. But also, they not only that, but they revolutionised 
all pro wrestling because it, it forced WWE to do something different mm. to, to grow up. Ultimately, the new the new world order was a bit more of an adult based reality style story, the like of which hadn't really been seen. It made the anti-heroes and the heels cool for the first time, really. We just didn't really have that before. WWE had to suddenly adapt to that and their creative process changed as a consequence of it. And that's where you got Austin from and DX and The Rock and everything else. New World Order is going to struggle not to win this, in my mind, <laughs> overall. Mm. Yeah, for me, it's very, very difficult to put over the Undisputed Era in, in their place. But obviously, in terms of match quality, you can't argue with what they did. Um, should we go to the vote then? Because I think it's gonna it's pretty clear what we're voting for here. Yeah. Start with you, old man. NWO. NWO for life. Yes, so it's a clean sweep for the NWO and we move on because we've got to get through these guys. We're doing twenty minutes, nearly half an hour in already. Um, Come on, lads. So next up is the horsemen, which were put forward by Stephen, and Evolution are their opponents. That was your last pick, Alex. So once again, one of your picks come oh, out yeah. earlier in the draw. Uh, so Alex, we go to you. Obviously, my, my money's going on evolution. It's similar sort of thing with, no, not similar sort of thing with the Shield, but it was, obviously Triple H was a big star, but then you took Randy Orton and, and Batista, who were up and coming stars, not really doing anything. Uh, and originally it was Mark Jindrak as well, wasn't it? Instead of Batista, stuck them together, stuck Ric Flair in there as well. And from the minute that they got together, they were money, I think. Absolute money. Straight away thrust into that main event picture. Fantastic matches as a result as well with regards to, um, you know, Randy Orton. Uh, I mean, the, the feud with Mick Foley, I thought it was fantastic, that feud, especially that match with Mick Foley at Backlash, I think it is, the, the no-disqualification match. Unbelievable. Uh, Ric Flair's just comedy gold. I have said before, I think he's the most overrated wrestler of all time, Ric Flair, and I've never been a big fan of him, but I think Evolution could potentially be his best work because he was fantastic on at ringside with Triple H, strutting around <laughs> strutting around and wooing being the dirty Ric Flair that he is again I, I said it I said it with regards to the NWO revitalised his career as well I'd say with Ric Flair did stellar work Triple H you know Triple H is Triple H always going to be the main event but he, he instead of no I was going to say instead of stepping on people to get there but he kind of did a little bit with Randy Orton <laughs> but he, he did bring them up to his level I suppose I mean Randy Orton is one of the biggest stars in, in wrestling Batista is one of the biggest stars in the world in terms of you know he's a movie star mega movie star and all that started from evolution so yeah evolution's uh got my vote that's why i picked him evolution is a mystery Alex. Yeah. what i would say on this is that the horsemen i don't think we need to really go into what the horsemen was or why they were important they were massive for years there was multiple kind of iterations of the of the horsemen so many great wrestlers of went through it but i think horsemen deserve the nod over the evolution because they are surely the inspiration for evolution mm. without the horsemen evolution doesn't even exist because that's surely the whole point so i don't really care evolution could have been the best stable did the best stuff ever which they didn't in my view the horsemen for me are the inspiration for evolution therefore should go through that's what i'm gonna say i can't argue that i haven't seen much of the horsemen well i have i thought it was okay but I agree completely. No horseman, no evolution. It's kind of like which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> except, except we know the answer to this one. Well, no, because what came first, the horseman, four horsemen in the apocalypse, or evolution? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you might be thinking of two other things called the four horsemen and evolution, but that's all right. Doesn't matter. It sounds like we're ready to go to voting, old man. Uh, horses. Alex? Well, I'm going to stick with Evolution. That's fair. I'm going with the Horsemen. But it was it was closer than, after your kind of push for them, it was closer than I thought it was going to be um, in my mind. I wasn't absolutely convinced, but I, I am I'm going to stay with the, the Horsemen. Yeah, I can't argue with that. That means that we've we've got a all WCW quarterfinal setup as a consequence of that one, and we'll get to that in just a bit. Mm. But next up, we have got another contemporary stable, The Bloodline, which was one of Tom's suggestions, up against another of Tom's suggestions, The Heart Foundation, 1997. Oh. oh. 
So I'll, I'll, I'll start, shall I? And I'll, I'll try and shill for the Hart Foundation here. So obviously, you know, with the exception of Matt, we're all quite big fans of Bret Hart on this podcast. And I have said previously when we did our WrestleMania 13 review that 1997 is Bret's best year. I, I think it is. I think in terms of his in terms of promos, in terms of his character work, in terms of his in-ring action and put all together, I think it's his best year. And he did that as part of the Hart Foundation. And the Hart Foundation was an entirely natural group of people to come together they were all grew up together they were, they were all trained as part of you know, the dungeon their brothers and brother-in-law and brian pillman i didn't it's one of those things where i had to add him on at the end because he's not it's <laughs> not part of the family but the rest of them are also i love the way they come together i think the way they come together as a group is one of my favorite ways of a faction coming together where basically owen and david boy smith have been going through these problems as a heel tag team they start to basically get into a little bit of a shoving match bret hart runs out who's had a feud with owen for years and obviously he's been a babyface for years and basically stops them fighting and tells them that we shouldn't be fighting each other. We should be fighting everybody else. And I just think that's such a cool and simple, but really logical way to bring a faction together who are also a family. I just think that's brilliant. Also, they have possibly the best stable match in history mm-hmm. when they face the Legion of Doom, Steve Austin, Goldust and Ahmed Johnson, I believe it is. Maybe you got that wrong. Ken Shamrock and Shamrock. Um, it, at Canadian Stampede, phenomenal heat, phenomenal match, amazing situation where you've got the heels who are being cheered and the baby faces being booed, and it's intended that way as well. Which obviously is, we've had plenty of matches in the past where the heels have been booed, uh, cheered, and the baby faces have been booed, but that was never the intention. In this example, it is. It's just a phenomenal match. So, in terms of the Heart Foundation, they were a great stable. And I think possibly had all the Canadian or the Montreal Screwjob stuff not happened, we we may have seen a lot more of them during 1998, which have been very interesting when you consider that that was a kind of transitional, transformational, I should say, year for what WWE did. So that's the Heart Foundation. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, this one, because obviously the bloodline is, is if, well, was an arguable, well, I think they're moving away from it now, but was WWE for a period. And I think what, the bloodline has done is it's done an excellent job of elevating other people. So it's elevated Sami Zayn, it's elevated Kevin Owens, it's elevated LA Knight for a short period as well. It's made the Usos incredibly relevant. Obviously, Cody is involved with them. I don't think he necessarily needs the whole bloodline, but you've got Solo Skoa just lurking in the background. You've got Paul Heyman, and obviously you've got Roman Reigns, who is, as we've said, we said in our review of WrestleMania 37 Night 2, that's kind of the crowning of him as quite literally the head of the table because he is the biggest star in wrestling. Probably in terms of impact on the product, at a time when it was so desperately needed, you could argue it's the biggest impact a wrestler's made since Austin when he burst out as well. And without the bloodline, there's probably barely anything watchable for a couple of years in WWE. And that's my case. Goodbye. <laughs> this is the toughest one of the first Yeah, one. This absolutely. Is one. 100% <laughs> agree with that with regards to the best. That is the best stable match of all time, the one at Canadian Stampede. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a phenomenal match. Uh, however, that is one match. And the bloodline, I would say that every match, with the exception of the SummerSlam one with Jey Uso, has been excellent. The Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn one, um, the, 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 sorry, the Royal Rumble one with Kevin Owens, is especially the, the ending is unbelievable. The Sami Zayn one at Elimination Chamber, uh, we'll come on to the WrestleMania uh, 39 ones in in you know in a few weeks time, and even before that, the, the Roman I love the Roman Reigns Jey Uso one, the Hell in a Cell, uh, mm. you know, it, and it, it, this storyline has gone on for so long, and it, I think it has kind of jumped the shark a little bit. The SummerSlam match with Jey, Jey Uso, the the um, the ending of that is is a bit poor, but it's gone on for so long. And it's very rare that storyline goes on for that long, and it and it's everything is revolving around around one faction. And that's the bloodline. This is a tough one. This is really really tough, really tough. Okay, old man, what's your vote? It's going to have to be bloodline for just for their longevity. Alex, I'm not going to shit out. I'm going to go bloodline. To be honest, I didn't think that was that 
difficult to decide in my mind. The bloodline were always going to win that. I just thought I'd advocate for the Heart Foundation because I wanted to. I, I honestly didn't think it was that close. I was <coughs> the bloodline straight away as soon as I saw it. I maintain that despite my advocation for the Heart Foundation. It's just I think for all three of us here, and I know Tom will always have Canadian Stampede, yeah. and I think that for yeah. me is such an iconic moment in my wrestling watching that I wasn't watching at the time when that was on. And I certainly wasn't watching In Your Houses. I remember the first time I watched that, I was just like, fucking hell. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. The only stable match that I can think that's even come close is The Shield and the Wyatt family. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is like perfection, but somehow Canadian Stampede is even better. You've got Gold Dust and Legion of Doom are in there. Mm. They've got no right being in there, really. But it's fucking amazing. Oh, man. I'm about to watch that on the weekend. This might be a bit controversial, but I think it's the best tag match of all time, Canadian Stampede. Oh, whole tag match, not just stable match. Of all time, yeah. I do. I I love that match. I love that match. Well, maybe that's a a category for a future bracket mania. But we need need to forge on. Yes, 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 yes. So... Next up, it is The Freebirds, which is the choice I made. It was the 16th choice after everybody else had made their choices. And they are up against Stephen's nomination of Bullet Club. So this can be difficult because I think I'm going to have to talk about both of these people because The Freebirds are my um, pick. And then the Bullet Club, I'm not sure either of you are going to be able to uh, talk with any real uh, authority about. So can we just spin them both off? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, put the Art Foundation in. Get rid of both of them, put yeah. it out for this. Yeah, maybe we could have a higher foundation running because neither of these cunts have beaten the bloodline. Get no, rid no, of them. No, 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 that's not how the brackets work, and I'm not having it. <laughs> so basically, I will, I will give a little bit of something for both of them. Uh, the Freebirds, obviously massively hot stable that were huge in Texas in the early '80s. They were then big in the in JCP and and what became of what the NWA basically in the late '80s as well worked everybody everywhere got heat everywhere were a phenomenal threesome and i guess in some ways have been another template for what future stables would be so the shield for example is is not too different in some ways the the freebirds were not a singles wrestler and two tag team wrestlers they were three equal partners effectively for the most part and yeah they everywhere they worked they were headliners and everybody everywhere they worked they were massively hated they had huge heat in particular with the Von Erics in Texas and their phenomenal feud, which which basically put the territory on fire for a good couple of years. Bullet Club. So the Bullet Club are effectively, it's a bit, bit, this is quite complicated to, to describe to people who perhaps don't watch a lot of Japanese wrestling and are not a massive, you know, not a veteran watcher of it. But certainly in terms of how Japanese wrestling works, it doesn't work quite the same way as heels and baby faces. There's almost like a spectrum of heels and baby faces, sort of like a hierarchy of heels and baby faces, i.e. like there are the real heels, then there are the real baby faces, and in between there are lots of shades of grey building up towards the heels who are the bullet, bullet club in the in the main the main reason being is that historically Japanese wrestling has traded on the gaijins, the foreign wrestlers to be the main heels and the bullet club pretty much started in 2013 with prince devitt finn balor as the leader then when he left aj styles became the leader when he left kenny omega became the leader and then when he left i think it was jay white who became the leader and they were all headliners they've all you know headlined massive shows in japan in particular kenny omega obviously many many uh, runs as uh, at the top of Wrestle Kingdom, but AJ Styles had loads of matches as well at the top of major shows, as did Prince Devitt when he was there. It's been running for a very long time. It's very, very big. It's been very, very big for a long time. They split off though into like four or five sub factions now. I think I'm not entirely sure sure of how that's worked, but that that's where they are. But it's still going to that extent. So there's ten years of history as well. Now, the Freebirds also had a similar length of time, so that's not really a necessarily advantage for them. In terms of who's better, I don't really know, if I'm perfectly honest with you. I don't, they're, it's so incomparable because of the fact that one of them, because they're just different scales of wrestling business at the time. Like one's in a globalized wrestling industry and they work in Japan. And the other were major stars of the territory's age. But obviously, in each one of those territories, they're only really regionally known at the time. Obviously, looking back now, we know more about it. People in New York didn't necessarily know the Freebirds were. So, difficult one. I'll leave it to you guys to make your votes, and then I will put mine in. 
I'll go Bullet Club because, for me, anyway, they were something that made New Japan relevant in my eyes. And that's kind of all I've got, really, because the Freebirds, I've really enjoyed what I've seen of them, but I've seen maybe three matches with them. So, yeah. Alex? Right, okay. I'm not shitting out here because I think it's fair. You can. There's only three of us. You've got to make a choice. Yeah, no, no, I will, no, I will do. I will do. But I think it's fair that you get the deciding vote. So, <laughs> well, and I do because you know more about them than you know. And, and and to be fair, I know a little bit more about the Freebirds than I do the Bullet Club. So I know obviously I know that Finn Balor was in it. I know AJ Styles and Kenny Omega was in it. Were the Young Bucks in it as well? Yeah, Are they, were they part of it as well? And yeah. then. And I, I think Gallows and Anderson were because they, when yeah. they come, it was obviously the OC when they can come to WWE and that. But I, I like uh, Michael Hayes and he's dancing, and we got and we got the Freebird rule as well as a result of the Freebirds. So I'm going to go the Freebirds. So I'm, I'm going to give the nod to the Bullet Club. I think probably purely because, and it is quite difficult to judge because of the, the just the scale of the industry when each of them were were active if you like and i guess the bullet club still is active but not really in the same way as it used to be i think yeah I, I just think that the bullet club's got the edge i also think that you know the number again the numbers of people who've gone through the stable i'm not even sure i'd call the freebirds a stable do you know what i mean that's the only mm. thing that's really played on my mind the kind of attack team that had three members the shield weren't really the same they were a stable but the but the Freebirds, like like the New Day, the Freebirds are more mm. than, you know, so I think I'm going to have to give the, the, the nod to the Bullet Club. All right, we've got two more matches in the first round. The next one is one of Sam's picks, the Corporation. I'm oh, assuming yes. you mean the uh, Vince's Corporation, not the Million Dollar Corporation. Uh, yeah. And the uh, the Un-Americans are their opponents from, uh, that was from Matt. Wow, the Un-Americans. <laughs> well, again, he was picking fifth of all of all of you guys, so he had the yeah, he had the barrel in some ways here. Oh man, the corporation. Well, what can you say? Don't know. It's, you tell me. <laughs> it's it's the it's something. It's something. It's coming. <laughs> it's the villain to the hero in Stone Cold Steve Austin's absolutely golden run is the corporation. That's all I need to say. No corporation. And the wrestling business isn't as it is today, as we said with the NWO, because I think what the corporation also did, it did kind of get a bit out of hand as these things tend to a bit like NWO did. But it had a figurehead leader and then a load of people doing their bidding. It gave us the evening gown match with Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson, Shamrock, uh, loads of other cunts I can't remember, Test. Test was in the corporation. <laughs> I mean, hey, come on. It's test v test this match, isn't it? Oh yeah, it, it is. Test v test. We've had we've had the Paul Heyman uh, the test the test the Paul, test Paul Heyman derby. We've had the Ric Flair derby, and now we've got the test derby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna not gonna put over the Amer- Americans because I want to watch them when they were around, but I am gonna try and put down the corporation a little bit, bring them down a bit. Yeah, of course. So I think they were a bit shit. Like, I think we remember them with very rose-tinted glasses, looking back. But they realistically only existed for, like, six months. Mm-hmm. They were largely um, put together just to further Vince McMahon's feud with Steve Austin, not really to build not, – not, not really, it wasn't really a new thing. It was really just a way to keep that going. Plus, the members turned over very, very quickly. First of all, it starts with the boss band, Ken Shamrock, Test – Gerald Briscoe, Pat Patterson, Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon, The Rock, and then uh, WrestleMania 15, Triple H and China joined. Well, actually, China already joined, but Triple H joins it. Oh, Kane was in it as well. But but after WrestleMania 15, Kane's now a babyface. Triple H and China have joined. The Rock leaves after Backlash, which is a month later, as does The Big Show. He's fighting on the union side alongside Test. Um and ken shamrock who also all left the left the corporation so there's such a just such a churn of members it was basically the height of wwf vince russo booking and getting to the point where things were needing to stop and where vince russo had to get off and then of course they bring, brought them together with the ministry which is technically an entirely new faction the corporate ministry but you know that fell apart very quickly like it, it basically didn't come to anything they, they revealed higher power and with about two months the whole thing had dissolved without any anybody talking about it again because they, they didn't know where to take it so i'm i'm not a massive fan of the corporation 
don't know anything about the un-americans couldn't give a fuck about them but uh i think the corporation up against anybody else might i might be in trouble i, th- I think one one thing about the corporation i said this in the wrestlemania 15 but i think it completely killed ken shamrock because i i loved ken, when ken shamrock was a babyface i thought he was amazing and i said that he should have just stayed a babyface and he could have been the another person to fight the corporation mm. um alongside austin or well obviously you know sometimes or as well as austin with other different feuds and i think it just killed all his moment i think he'd have been a massive star if they kept him a face and i think it just they just killed him going in uh, in the corporation i'll bat for the un-americans because i remember him test christian and landstorm landstorm not known for his charisma but again three fellas not doing anything put them together mm. a very very simple concept we're america and the heat the heat that they got I remember, mm. it, you know, they were getting booed out the building. Yeah, they, they were a decent little faction on Americans. They were de- at the, for the time. I think Chris Jericho had a little bit of a, a little bit of a interaction with them as well. But yeah, they, they they took three fellas that weren't doing anything. Really, really simple concept, and they got a load of heat. So, which is job done. I'm just gonna say, I've got an interesting question yet, but a story about the Americans. So Christian lives in Tampa, or at least did at the time. He hated the Un-Americans because he said at points because of what you said about the heat, Alex, he couldn't go out with his family because it was so bad. Like people hated him. Like absolutely hated him because people would see him round. Be giving him powers, chucking shit at him probably. (laughs) Oh, lovely. Lovely old job. I tell you what, I, I also want to dispute the, the idea that Landstorm wasn't charismatic. I mean, I guess he wasn't, but he actually turned it into such a positive mm. in a way that I don't think anyone else has ever had the wherewithal to do. Like, he was like, I know I'm not the most exciting person, so that's going to be my gimmick, effectively. I am going yeah. to be the guy who's just too serious. You know, can I be serious for a minute? And, and it's funny because he's so he is so serious. Maybe that's a bit unfair, but that's how he was portrayed on. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think. Do you know when you said this? I thought it was a foregone conclusion, but I'm not too certain now. Actually, I'm not too well, certain. Let's, let's go to the vote, old man. I'll go corporation, Alex. Do you know what? I'm going to go on Americans, and that story's that story has swayed it because if they were getting so much heat, so much so that he hated being in it because he couldn't get he couldn't go out for a meal uh, for a meal with his family, then it's done its fucking job on it massively. So. <laughs> Do you know what? And I agree with pretty much everything you said then about the corporation. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on, on Americans. Even though I believe everything I said about the corporation, it still did give me some of my favourite moments as a wrestling fan. And interestingly, Alex, you talked about Ken Shamrock. One of my favourite episodes of Raw is the one where he turns baby face and walks out on the corporation. Absolutely yeah, yeah. fucking love that. When I watched that the first time live, I was like, or not live, but as live on Sky Sports, I was like, yeah. That is so, it was so good. I was so invested in it. I loved it. Corporation definitely go through for me. And I don't know anything about the Un-Americans, so I don't care. So one last first round match. God, we really do need to get through this. We're now 45 minutes in, in fact, more than that. So we've got the Heenan family, which was uh, one of yours, Sam. In fact, that was the first overall pick was the Heenan family. And they are up against another one of your picks, old man, the Generation X. So which one do you want to talk for? Uh, Oh, blimey. I'll go DX because I'm having a bit of a meltdown about thinking about Heenan family members. But um, yeah, like DX, it's a very, it's a very iconic era of wrestling. One thing I want to say about DX is they are undoubtedly an outstanding stable. As I said, iconic in the wrestling industry. It was the original incarnation with Shawn Michaels, Rick Froude, China and Triple H and possibly Smothers. I hated I really, really disliked because Shawn Michaels was, by his own admission, completely out of control at that point. Just an absolute horrible cunt. There's no other way of putting it. Like, he was horrible. He was kind of, like, seemed to be, well, I've heard things, and like, I interviews with JR in particular, where he, he was effectively ransacking shows, like, with his actions. Like, he was taking things off, off script, in inverted commas. But then when you had Triple H, China, the Bum Billy Gun, Road Dog, and X Park, it was absolute fucking dynamite. It was dynamite. And it was, for a period, it was must watch television. And they were an enormous part of that. And I just, I always think back fondly of them. And oddly, I don't hate them when they come back, which ordinarily I do because they're a bunch of old knobs. And, and you touched on this in the, 
uh, WrestleMania 37 Night 1 episode, Sean Waltman just seems like a wonderful guy. Seems like a really, really good guy. And uh, yeah, that's what I think about DX. But old man doesn't like an old knob. <laughs> a new knobs only. <laughs> um, do you know, the, the DX run, do you know when they come back in 2006, I think it was, where it was just Triple H and Shawn Michaels? Mm. I think I'm the only person on the planet that actually enjoyed that run. <laughs> like, everyone hates that run, and I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was all right for what it... I, I really mm. enjoyed it. But I'll back for the Heenan family. I mean, I, and it's down to one guy, in it? Bobby the Brain Heenan, uh, one of the best managers that's ever been. The people that he was managing, Haku, I love Haku, one of the hardest people ever. Some of the stories I hear about him are unbelievable. Uh, Barbarian, Ravishing Rick Rude. I love Ravishing Rick Rude. Fantastic. Uh, wrestler Andre the Giant one of the biggest superstars that's ever been in wrestling and it just got you know just got the best out of these guys and and it, and also the thing with Bobby Heenan as well he's you know I love I love Bobby Heenan absolutely love him and he was always kind of like the, the not the butt of the joke what's uh yeah I suppose the butt of the joke in in these matches could t- completely put himself into the role uh, not afraid to take the piss out of himself extremely entertaining yeah and and it's looking back at when i first started watching wrestling when i was a kid with my granddad you know and and the heenan family were 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 kind of a a big deal at the time so yeah you know i've got a lot of fond memories about the heenan family uh, especially bobby the brain heenan as well one of my favorites well of course also really talking for the heenan family is the fact that ken patara was uh, part of the heenan family old man so uh, that should should sway your vote um the, the thing i would say on this and the thing that's perhaps going to decide this for me i think is that i never really considered the heenan family to be a faction mm. and that's largely because at the time wwf when the heenan family existed the wwf had a system where basically all the hills had a manager and you just happened to have a lot of wrestlers who had the same manager so jimmy hart had a load of wrestlers slick had a number of wrestlers like it wasn't explicit like they were running buddies for each other and they would help each other all the time it was just that they would if they had a survivor series match for example they would be together because they were all managed by the same person so i never really thought of it like a stable i think that might be the deciding factor but ultimately it does have ken patera so i don't know if that that will make the difference <laughs> for me it doesn't i just have i just i got very dx and it's because of exactly what you just said tiki they were i like Echo what you said, Alex, love Bobby Heenan. But they were they were never coming out in supporting their mate and stuff like that. They were just managed by him. So yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Ken. Well, on the Mania fifteen episode I went on a massive uh, love letter towards the Attitude Era and DX were a massive part of that. I batted for the Heenan family because you batted for DX, mm. but I, I've got to go with DX. I've got to. I, I love DX. I love DX. So DX has got my vote. I don't personally love DX, but I am also going to vote for T Generation X. I think they are the they are a proper faction. I'm just not really convinced the Heenan family are, if I'm honest. Okay, so <clears> we move <throat> into the quarterfinals, but we still we really do need to do this quickly. So first first yeah. quarterfinal is Judgment Day versus The Shield. Any additional comments you want to make about either of these two factions? No. No. Cool. All right, then, give me your votes. Oh, it's The Shield, isn't it? 100%. Yeah, it is. It is indeed The Shield. 3-0 to The Shield. They are through to the semi-finals. Next up, then, is the all-WCW quarterfinal, New World Order versus The Horsemen. See, this is actually pretty tough, because... You could argue one leads to the other. You could argue that the horsemen are basically the starting point of every modern do. day well, stable. Yeah, I suppose you could do. But the NWO, like we said, they changed everything. They changed the landscape of wrestling for me in my era, so New World Order. Yeah, I think also, like, yes, it did get over the top, and yes, they had too many members, but... They were still the hottest thing in wrestling by the end of 1997. Yeah. In fact, Starcade 97 was the best pay-per-view by rate WCW ever did. And that was when the faction were 15, 20 members. Mm. So they were still absolutely massive at that point. The Horsemen have a huge legacy element to them in terms of the fact that they pretty much throughout the from 1985 onwards were the faction in WCW, but they never accomplished what the NWA did in terms of just pure business. They just never did it. So voting. NWO. Yeah, let's make it an all Alex semi-final NWO. 
Oh, lovely. Okay, yeah, I'm with you too. So the New World Order is up against the Shield in the semi-final. Before we get there, we've got two more quarterfinals to do. This one might be quick. The Bloodline versus Bullet Club. Bloodline. Bloodline. Okay, I'm going to go Bullet Club just because, you know, it doesn't matter. (laughs) I don't don't need to to worry about it. Uh, Bloodline is through. And then we have an all-attitude-era battle. The Corporation versus Degeneration X. For me, it's got to be DX just for longevity. I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the opposite of what I did last time, which is now <laughs> slander Degeneration X because longevity maybe, but first of all, their initial run 1997 till what middle of 99? Well, no, WrestleMania, I guess WrestleMania 15 when Triple H left and and went to the corporation. That's quite long, but it's not that long. About 18 months, maybe a little bit less. Then they got together again a number of times in 99 i think in 2000 maybe certainly in 99 at the end of 99 they got back together for like a cup of coffee and that was it and they were quickly broken up again they had then the reunions between triple h and Shawn michaels were they were just nostalgia more than anything else i don't really think that they were really that valuable they were okay i'm not saying they were terrible but no i don't think they were particularly i don't think they added much to the dx legacy in my view so all in all again it's one of those things where what we're talking about here, and it's the same with the new, new World Order in some ways, is that we're talking about a very condensed period of time, which was hugely significant to the business. And so everything just feels that much more accentuated. And the corporation is similar to this, I suppose. They're just a massive part of the attitude area for me. And everywhere you look, there were DX T-shirts. Uh, I had a DX T-shirt. I think it was the, like the first wrestling T-shirt I might, I might have bought, actually. People throwing up their hands in X's all, all in the crowd. Some of the segments and moments unbelievable in particular the the uh, nation of domination piss take which is mm. uh, it, it's still to these days absolutely fantastic but um but mired in controversy given that well, triple h blackfaced for it yeah 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 so, yeah and you know to go into wcw on a tank and invading wcw and all that uh you know all that shit that they did yeah i'll, I'll do a vote now i'll go dx dx for me yeah i'm going dx too some pretty uh, resounding victories there as we move into the semi-finals and the first and i think this is where it gets pretty tricky the mm. shield versus on the new world order i don't know where we want to start here look i i think the shield as i said earlier on it's perfect the mm. that 18 months of their for their initial run forget the getting back together later on that didn't matter the, the first 18 months is absolutely phenomenal and set up three guys to be major stars though they became stars after the shield not as part of the shield the nwo similar length of time when it was at its peak and was massive <laughs> like it just was it was humongous the shield was a very overact wasn't necessarily a headlining act in and of itself the nwo was and the nwo was pretty much the entire promotion in wcw for 18 months it wasn't just one part of it it was the whole thing and the whole thing absolutely burned i'm gonna vote i'm voting now i'm gonna vote for the for new world order this is obviously both my picks but i am batting for the shield because as we said with the nwo i think for me obviously you know made shit loads of money massively important to wrestling but you, we can't skip past the fact that it just got ridiculous it just got just too much it was too much and that was one of the reasons, I mean, I, like I've said before, I've always been a WWF, WWE guy. And I was one of those that used to switch over to watch WCW in the ad breaks. And it got to a point where I, I just wasn't interested and it was everything was NWO, NWO. And NWO, even though it, it was massively important for wrestling, it probably did kill, uh, was one of the reasons why it killed WCW. Now, The Shield was three guys and Kurt Angle, uh, no, three guys that just come up from from NXT and it was just them. And obviously I've seen the, the, you know, the the WWE documentaries and you've got to take them with a pinch of salt, but they were saying things like they were just hung, they were just together off screen as well. And, you know, they were kind of a bit standoffish with other people in the locker room. And because then it kind of um, generated that heat out in the ring as well. And they, they were just like, the quintessential kind of faction that was just them three and all three of them absolutely got the best out of this. And I would say that Roman Reigns is the biggest star in wrestling. And I think he's going to be a massive mega movie star like Batista eventually, because I think that's the ra- the route that he wants to go. And it's all because of the shield. I mean, they broke him up too early for me. I think they should have just carried on with him. Nobody else was going to join them. It was just them three. 
And yeah, I, I'm going to vote putting Sam in a very, very difficult position, but I'm going to go for the Shield. All up to you, old man. It's, it has to be New World Order because whilst I completely understand, and I do agree with pretty much everything that you've said, Alex, for the Shield, they were never the company. NWA was WCW. Like Tiggy said, they made them a legitimate contender against WWF, WWE, and that was just impossible to do, really. And they did it without being able to work a lick between them. (laughs) Because Kevin Nash can't, Hogan couldn't at that point, and Scott Hall, God rest his soul, was not really in any fit state to during any of that period. But they made wrestling so important to so many people. It's like incredible, really, when you think back. They created a rivalry, a genuine full-on rivalry between wrestling fans. And also, I genuinely think without the NWO, WWE doesn't go the way it goes because it forced their hand so massively. And it forced them to like create Degeneration X sorry, to use Degeneration X the way that they did and ultimately led to the bloodline and things like that. So, yeah, sorry, mate. No, no, no. I, I, look, I did no argument for me. I, I picked them both, didn't I, Shield and NWO? Yeah, so you did. I, I, no argument for me. No argument for me. Okay, then, I still second. would have voted for the Shield, though. I still would have voted for the Shield. Ah, good lad. Yeah. Okay, second semi-final is the bloodline versus Degeneration X. I'll, I'll tell you what, I will, I'm not going to do the thing where I swear over then, you know, I, I advocate for one thing, go for another one. I will advocate for the one I think should win this, and it is the bloodline I think should win this. I think for the same, some of the same reasons as the New World Order beat the Shield for me, like the bloodline <laughs> is is the headlining act within the company, has been for years now. Like it's not also not a short lived thing. This thing's been going on a while. It has generated humongous business for WWE over the last couple of years and also provided some amazing moments. Degeneration X, even at their height, were not headlining acts. They were not the top stars in the company. They were upper mid-card guys below Austin, below The Rock, below most of the corporation for a lot of their time, even below Mick Foley. I mean, look back at when Mick Foley won the world championship from The Rock. His cheerleaders are DX, whilst The Rocks are the rest of the corporation. They're not headlining acts at that point. They did go on to be that as tag team wrestlers. Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels was, I guess, when they first started out, Shawn Michaels was. I was I'm very much looking at DX as being the second incarnation with Triple H and Road Dogg and Billy Gunn, etc. Shawn Michaels was, but for me, they were really just a tag team when they were Shawn Michaels and Triple H. They were just... At two two wrestlers with a couple of a couple of um a corner person each so i just think the bloodline is is the best thing that's happened in wwe for the last five years that's what that's what i think and i think the dx in my view would struggle to get the top three things during the the time they were around for 18 months so yeah for me the bloodline's number one of these two on rockstar well it might put you in a bit of a difficult position again because <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, 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 to be honest, I can assure you it won't. All oh, right, exactly okay. Where I'm going. Right, okay. All right, then. Well, I'll go DX then. I, I look. I love. I love the bloodline. Fantastic story. And yeah, I mean, obviously a great faction. But the story that's been better than the faction, if that makes sense. And whereas DX, um, like I said, massive, massive part of my uh, of my love for wrestling, the Attitude Era, prior to Chris Jericho joining WWE. I was a DX guy. I, I love DX. I loved them. And I think if they come back, every time they come back, yeah, it's nowhere near as good and it's a bit cheesy and they're a bit old and decrepit. But I still get a bit of a pop out of it, to be honest with you. I still get a bit of a pop. And and like I said, I love that run in the 2006, the one that everyone hated. So when it comes to factions, it, it, when someone says faction or stable to me, DX is one of the first ones that just springs to my mind. So even though I love the bloodline and it's been amazing for 18 months or however long it's been uh, they've been you know main event the storyline but i'm gonna go dx i'm gonna go dx i got bloodline because i think that the bloodline has elevated everybody else in that company i think the fact that the whole company was on effectively on roman reigns before the bloodline properly became a thing i think it has elevated it like 
someone like Sami Zayn, he ain't getting nowhere near the main event picture unless he starts working with those guys. I think the argument could be made that LA Knight was basically kind of like shifted in there because he was incredibly popular with the crowd, but he held his own and they didn't shit on him. So they're getting my vote here and I'm going to carry on because this is my argument for them to win it because that faction hasn't been used to bury other talent and to make them seem inconsequential. And I think that that's obviously the power of the booking that they have had. That's the power of having Paul Heyman, I think, within the faction as well. And I just think that they had a period, so me and Stephen talked about this when I was on Pro Wrestling Moments. It was before uh, Tom and Alex joined on that double episode that we did. And at that point, so I can't remember when that was, I thought they'd really lost their way. I thought it, they'd really like kind of gone off and they weren't coming back and they've drawn it back and they've drawn it back through strength of storytelling strength of the performers and again the fact that i think that other people have risen to their level and they were able yeah they've been able to elevate talent like sammy Zayn is not not a main event guy personally i enjoyed what they did i don't think he should have been anywhere near that main event i know it was in montreal and it was an amazing like spectacle but even though there was no chance that he was winning that match, the faction and the way that they managed the troubles within that faction made me believe that they could. And that's wrestling, isn't it? Where you suspend your disbelief. The NWO, what I've seen of them, incredible, trailblazing, absolutely amazing, but they were never going to lose, ever. And that's not wrestling, is it? Just to kind of go on a little bit with that regards to Sami Zayn, forget Sami Zayn, what about Jey Uso? Jey Uso yeah. is, is a, a, a twin in a tag team. Yeah. And if someone said to me, Jey Uso is going to be a main event and, and main event, multiple yeah. pay-per-views, including a WrestleMania 18 months ago, I'd have gone, no chance. Absolute na- yeah. nonsense. And not only as he main event, he deserves to be there and he's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's been absolutely yeah. fantastic. Uh, Sami Zayn, if you said that about Sami Zayn, I could see it. I could see him main event because I really like Sami Zayn. And I, I like the Usos. It's not that he's part of a tag team. He's part of a twin tag team. <laughs> so, you know, you, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean by that, though? Like, yeah, exactly. you have a tag team that you separate, so separate two people. But the twins, yeah, I, he, but and he deserves to be there. However, I am batting for the NWO. So hang on, before yeah. we, before you oh, do right, that, sorry, let, sorry, sorry, let, sorry, no, sorry, before sorry. you do that, let's just make it clear that the bloodline beat Degeneration X in the semi-final because Old Man obviously went directly. Oh on yeah, sorry. Yeah. All right, okay, yeah. So bloodline have beaten Degeneration X two to one. We're now on to the final. Alex, carry on. Right, sorry. I mean NWO. When you say stables and factions, like I said, DX probably one of the first that springs to mind, but NWO is one of the first that springs to mind as well. I had an NWO T-shirt. That <laughs> was the next T-shirt I got after the DX one. <laughs> there was a little shop in uh, uh, in Farnworth, which is just like a t- part of a just outside of Bolton, and it was like a little wrestling shop on the market, and used to go and get like T-shirts and videos and stuff like that from there. But yeah, like I've said, you know, I've said that you know it did me heading near the end where everyone was part of the NWO, and, and I do think that that was part of the reason why it, you know WCW went under. But you can't you know fault NWO. They are, they, I suppose, they are like the ultimate faction, the ultimate stable. Yeah, for better or for worse, everyone knows what the NWO symbol looks like. Everyone kind of knows the music. Yeah, they are the ultimate faction for me. Are you are you voting for NWO? Yeah, sorry, I, I, I'm going to go NWO. I mean, the other thing about the NWO is obviously the, the imitators. I mean, the LWO still exists today. I mean, that yeah. that just gives you some idea of, of their, their reach. I think this is genuinely really, really tough. And I I think I'm going to go the bloodline. I, I, didn't, I didn't think I would beforehand, but I'm really just considering it now. I think the the two factions in terms of their longevity had about the same. I mean, the New World Order went on till sort of early 99 and then did come back again a number of times, but to much, much diminishing returns. But certainly that first run from mid 96 through to effectively mid 99 was was the run. And even in 98 and in the early 99, they were still drawing big ratings They're still doing really good numbers on pay-per-view. In truth, the ratings war wasn't obviously won until about April, May of 99. There was still quite a lot of mileage in that war throughout 98 and 99, even though the NWO wasn't at its best anymore. Um, and they were still there. But the bloodline has now been going for a similar sort of amount of time. 
the the real strength of this is the interplay between the various members of the bloodline in my view that's what makes this so incredible like first of all the Sami Zayn stuff the the relationship between him and Jay and therefore the relationship that he had as a consequence of of that with Jimmy and the fact that Jimmy never trusted him and, and Jay did and was a friend was friends with him then the fact that even Roman Reigns seemed to trust him or almost be at the point of trusting him until the rumble came along and Sami Zayn couldn't do what they were asking him to do and so made the decision to stand up to them. Then the stuff between Jay and Jimmy and Roman throughout this summer was absolutely amazing. The fact that they had the stuff you know, back in Hell in a Cell a few years before that with jay was just it's just amazing like the whole thing was just positioned really well and and again like there's this sort of undercurrent of tension and distrust but still kind of staying together all the way through all of this the storytelling has been quite masterful at times now i am with everybody who who thinks that when they did the split with jay and jimmy that was the wrong move that doesn't make sense to me should not have been done certainly in terms of the story not just in terms of you know for me the believability like why would a twin turn against his own twin realistic that's quite unlikely but especially given it was jimmy himself who eventually stood up to roman reigns not jay and jay was trying to keep them all together that bit didn't make sense but i agree with you old man they seem to have maybe recovered the whole thing just a little bit recently done it quite well in terms of getting jay off of smackdown so he's no longer really a part of it in, in any way even as an opposition to them he's he's now got jimmy solo solo and, and roman together and they still form that faction the other amazing thing about the bloodline is think about paul haven think about everything he's done in his career ecw the dangerous alliance the managerial career he's had the commentary career he's had not just in wcw but in wwf as well in 2001 being part of the alliance being part of brock lesnar's career in such a big way i'd argue the bloodline is the best thing he's ever done and that's insane after all this years of after everything else he's ever done he's still at the very top of the industry producing some of the best stuff around it's unbelievable like he's, he's just had an incredible incredible career put all that together i i, I can't I, I i people will probably scoff at it because again i do think there's this a reverse recency bias that kicks in sometimes but they are producing something really special with the bloodline and it's not yet over we don't know what the end of the story is going to be god everyone's talking about the cody Rhodes story and you know how it'll end and all the rest of it and whatnot but the bloodline story itself is still got a place to go and probably beyond when and if cody beats roman reigns at wrestlemania there's still life in the bloodline and what they will do next so yeah i I've, i'm gonna give it to the bloodline i do think it is it, i think it's better than new world order now and i maybe that's maybe that's crazy and i am I know right now I'm forgetting how innovative the New World Order was and revolutionary and the things we saw, especially in the early days where you saw kind of like the New World Order attacking the cruiserweights in the backstage. You had a wrestler coming down to the ring to, to stop. I think it was Ric Flair and Sting facing each other and instead come backstage and, you know, we need help backstage because these guys are attacking us, basically that's amazing and i am forgetting that a little bit now but i do think overall the quality of the bloodline storyline has been just so good and as you said it's not just been great for the people in bloodline but also everyone who's faced them and they've all you know drew mcintyre's match at clash of the castle regardless of whether he, the fact that you lost massive crowd massive um, atmosphere big fight phil sammy Zayn in montreal cody rhodes at wrestlemania the tag team matches you know roman reigns and and solo against the usos at money in the bank another massive big fight phil even roman reigns versus jay uso which again had that silly ending the match itself was great you know they've they've just done it time and time again these big moments dramatic emotional and in front of huge crowds of big atmospheres it's pretty damn impressive yeah the war games match as well the war games match yeah, as well. Yeah, war games. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what so, you two have done, though? You two have robbed the late, great Scott Hall of being yeah. a two-time Rocket Mania winner. You, I don't know. You sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I won't after tonight. Who knows? You know, now I've made the decision. I may, may not. So uh, there you go, then. The Bloodline has been crowned the greatest faction stable of all time in uh professional wrestling i'm sure we'll get plenty of letters of complaint about that <laughs> that's just how the brackets come out i'm afraid who do you think is going to be more pissed off about that steve matt or tom mm, i don't know if any of them will be that pissed off no yeah. no we'll see we'll see we'll see, we'll see what no, their reaction is off, but yeah yeah 
we'll see what their reactions are anyway thank you guys thank you very much we've gone very very late and we've gone very over time so thanks for your contributions thank you everybody for listening we'll be back again very very soon but until then take care